0: What's your name? Anna. What are you doing here, Anna? Where's Dr. Patterson? He's dead. His family? Did you kill them? You're in a lot of trouble, Anna. Did you kill them? No. Your friend? Who are you? What's her name? I called the police and they're on their way.
1: Welcome to the Ancient Slumber Podcast. This is show number eight. My name is Chris Ward, and my co-host with the Mo Host is Myron Schmidt. How are you doing, Myron?
0: Hello, Chris. Hello, 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 hello. How are you? I'm good. I just have to say I love our intro music. I'm a huge Bolt Thrower fan, and it's Kill Chain. What more can you expect? Exactly. It's a great bit of riffage. We dig the music. We did. And we had permission from the band to use it. I know.
1: Isn't that awesome? (laughs) <laughs> they're they're from uh, Coventry, which isn't far from here, actually. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, they're, so they're a fairly local band. But yes, I, I emailed them and asked them personally, because I can do that. Yeah, look at you all, connected and shit. Oh, I am. I'm like, I was about to say I'm like the uh, Max Clifford of the music world. I better
0: not say that. I was going to say Simon Cowell, but, you know, that's all right. You, know, you can fuck off and all.
1: <laughs> to <Cunt. laughs> <No.
0: laughs> Hey, at least we don't have him here anymore. <laughs> no you will don't worry when we extradite uh, him <laughs> just keep Piers Morgan and just keep Simon Cowell we'll be good
1: <laughs> oh no you've got to you've got to have one of them uh,
0: no 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 All got right, we'll do Trump. that you, we, you, you we keep win. Trump then <laughs> we, we win triple <laughs> head <laughs> oh dear we're getting political already yeah well you know
1: I do I do. it's shit whatever wherever you go in the world it's just A shit state to
0: be in. It is, but Donald Trump's a special kind of shit.
1: (laughs) Well, you are America. You do do things bigger and better than everyone else, including shits.
0: That about sums it up right there. (laughs) And we specialize in shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) There's no answer to that, really.
0: No. No, you, you can do nothing but nod your head in agreement.
1: I suppose America specializing in shit ties into what we're covering today.
0: Yes, it does very nicely. America and they're decidedly hard-on for remakes. Did you hear Death Wish? Yes,
1: I, I saw that. It was on Flickering Myth about an hour ago. Yeah, Bruce Willis. <sighs> Didn't Liam Neeson already do that one?
0: Three times. Uh, four times. Yeah. Right? Taking one, two, three, and walk among the tombstones? Oh, I, yeah. And oh, Bruce Willis It's <laughs> all the people. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I, I loved Die Hard. Me, so did a, I thirty it's years ago. Absolute classic, but it works because of a lot of people, other than Bruce Willis, oh, most yeah. notably his chauffeur Alan and Rick- Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman, the, that the late great Alan Rickman. Yes, but uh, Hans Gruber.
1: Have you seen Extraction?
0: No, no, I have not. I just I reviewed it yesterday
1: actually for uh, Fright Fest, uh, the latest Bruce Willis director DVD. Um, I suppose you can call it a film.
0: What is it, him about taking out a splinter in a moving
1: car? That would be more exciting. Gotcha. It's a typical kidnap and rescue plot. Um, He's in it. Didn't didn't Liam Neeson do those already? Oh, probably. Bruce Willis (laughs) is in it for about 10 minutes. Yeah, phoning it in as he has been since, um, well. Die Hard? Since (laughs) since Die Hard.
0: No, I'll say since The Sixth Sense, I think. Yeah, okay. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. Although, you know what? I got to backtrack because I did like him in Looper. I still haven't seen that. I do Really? I,
1: think, I do have it somewhere, but I've never you,
0: you, watched it. I think you might actually enjoy it. I, th- I think you might. Yeah. I'm the... not I'm not sure I really really liked Looper. I thought it was, it was very well done. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I've never really taken to Bruce Willis. Well, <laughs> I I tend to avoid him, hmm. but I gave Looper a shot because everybody said it was really good and it turned out actually to be I mean, okay. really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's in some good films, but I've never really thought that he was anything special. I mean, <laughs> I can see why he got popular. He had early on, he had that sort of charisma,
0: you know, when he was oh, absolutely. moonlighting. Absolutely.
1: And diehard. I, I, I get it,
0: but... Did you just say moonlighting? Just stop. Just, <laughs> stop. To be honest,
1: I never watched one episode, I think, but um, it was... I watched
0: pop- a half an episode. Yes, it was very popular. It was God popular. So
1: you, you can see why it happened, but um, yeah... I still think the best bit of trivia about Die Hard is the fact that Frank Sinatra was offered the role first. (coughs) Did you not know that? No. It it was contractual (laughs) because Die Hard, the book that Die Hard is based on, is actually a sequel to, and I think it's called The Card Player, I may be wrong, which is a film that Frank Sinatra was in. And his contract, he was given first refusal for sequel rights. And so uh, when they approach, when they come to making adapting the Die Hard book for the film, he had to be offered the role contractually. Bear in mind, he was about seventy odd at the time.
0: I was going to say, you know.
1: Thankfully, he politely declined. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't pull a Christopher Lee then. No, no, no. And then uh, Die Hard was going to be sort of tweaked into a sequel to Commando. Really? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, it ended up being what it is. Yeah, it's one of those. A bit like Total Recall. It's one of those films that's been. It was in production for so long before it actually came out. Ah, uh, lots of iterations, rights issues, and director issues, and actor issues, and all that sort of gubbins. But yeah, so it could have been Frank Sinatra leaping off a roof. <laughs> I'd almost pay money to see that. <laughs> thrown off a roof. <laughs> but yeah. Oh goodness! There you go. A little bit of trivia. That's right. But moving on, before we get started, we've lost another couple of actors.
0: We have, I know. We
1: have. Mr. Tony Burton, most known for the Rocky films. Yes, and who else? Because I'm drawing a blank. George Kennedy.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Now, I know it's probably been said a lot of times, and I don't mean any malice
0: by this, but I thought he was dead already. Well, <laughs> I don't
1: mean that don't, in a horrible
0: way. I didn't mean either, and I was surprised too. I thought, you know. When but... I saw the news, I thought, didn't he die in the 90s? Tony Burton, didn't he? Who played the captain in the Police Academy series? Because I know he died too, didn't he? Oh, George Gaines went, yes. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah, yeah. about that? We'll, yeah. Never, we'll never have a podium speech just like his again. <laughs> the best
1: <laughs> – the first thing I think of <laughs> when I think of Commandant Massard <laughs> is the I know. Johnsons in the first one. Johnsons? As far as the eye could see, what a wonderful <laughs> sight it was. And I, every time I hear – I was uh, where was I the other day? I think we were at work and that we had a customer or something whose surname was Johnson, and I just wrote Johnsons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just makes me laugh. Yeah, and then my mind inevitably wanders to the uh, the music just before they enter the Blue Oyster uh, <laughs> Blue Oyster Club or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. I do love those films. Oh, I love the first one. Uh, I like, no, I like the first three. It, then- it's it's good, stupid fun. It doesn't take itself seriously.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Please.
0: But yeah, so uh, yes,
1: as as 2016 rumbles on, we're losing, losing a few more. Yes, we are. There we go.
0: Still, we still have their great works to remember them by. That That's right. That's right. I guess that means we're getting older. <laughs> yeah. as just the arthritis
1: in my hand wasn't telling me that enough.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But there we go.
1: Right then. So, yeah, today's show, we are taking a look at the 2008 French transgressive masterpiece, Martyrs, and the recent uh, American remake. <laughs> I didn't give that a description. Did you notice? And Well, yeah. yeah. And we will also be doing another re- Blu-ray review of Sheba Baby.
0: Put out by Arrow Video. Put out by
1: Arrow Video, and starring the wonderful Pam Greer. Absolutely. Can't get enough of Pam Brier. No, this is true. Right, but we will get there. But first, we're going to do some good, some bad, and some ugly. That's right.
0: <laughs> Chris, I usually kick it off. Why don't you do it this time?
1: Well, my good, bad, and ugly this time are three films from a box set that I've got recently. And, oh, really? Yeah, and happily, one is good, one is bad, and one is fucking ugly. <laughs> And they all go in order as well, which is good.
0: Uh, Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3? No, that can't be right.
1: (laughs) You are not a million miles off, I tell you that now. (laughs) When I tell you the first one, you'll go, ah, yeah, okay. Okay. So my good is 1984's Stephen King adaptation, Children of the Corn. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And I say not a million miles off because... The previous box set that came out of that was released by the same people who did the Hellraiser box set, and Kabay. Oh, okay. So There is a connection. But yeah, Children of the Corn, 1984. 88 Films have just put out a um, box set of the first three films on Blu-ray. Oh, glorious. Yeah, uh, it's a very nice-looking set a nice little box, uh, a couple of juicy little extras on each one. But yeah, the first one, I think, is a good film. UK released? I mean, US released as well, or just UK restricted? As far as I know, it's UK. Only. Okay, but um,
0: I'm sure there'd be a license somewhere along the line for a US release from somebody. I don't want to say too much of it because we might actually get to the franchise. But I loved Children of the Corn, both the story <laughs> and the movie. Have you seen the ones past number three? We won't be getting to that fucking franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy, come on! We got to do it. Oh, I, there's like a thousand of them.
1: <laughs> I did a um, a few years ago. I used to write for a site called Eat, Sleep, Live, Film, and I used to do a weekly franchise overview, and uh, I did Children of the Corn, and I did the Amityville ones as well, and that was a fucking endurance test. I tell you, I'd sit in through all of them. I committed one weekend to watch Every Howling. was oh, yeah, also in a,
0: an endurance test,
1: too. Yeah, but there's only, like, seven of them. I think Amityville's up to about 14 or something now, <laughs> and there's a new one coming. I know
0: there is. And <laughs> I think it might even be – is it found footage? No. Darn it. I fucking want to be. <laughs> anyway, Children
1: of the Corn, the first one. 1984, starring Linda Hamilton. Um, I think it's one of those films that if you didn't see it at the time and you haven't grown up with it, then you'll probably look at it and laugh because it is a bit naff. It does look very clunky nowadays, but... Well, it does, but... I think the story's still there. The story's still quite strong, you know, and the idea of children killing their parents and things is still... Uh, Still shocking. It's a good film. Obviously, I saw it in the eighties when it came out, and it's one that I've returned to every couple of years for a bit of something harmless to watch. The special effects are crap. The acting's a bit all over the
0: place, but I, I th- enjoyed uh, Peter Peter Horton and um, uh, Linda Hamilton in that.
1: Yeah, say so, the two leads are very good. The acting from the chap who plays Isaac, whose name escapes me now, John Franklin. Yeah, a little bit over the top when you look at it, but um, he's got the look, certainly. Exactly. Yeah, I just think it's, it's a good. Solid horror film. I don't quite know why it's rated 18 still over here. Is it a carryover, you think? Yeah, I can only assume it wasn't resubmitted to the BBFC, and they've just sort of... That look,
0: yeah, that makes sense.
1: Because I mean, they do with some like Terminator was an 18, and then when it came to DVD, it became a 15, and that sort of thing. But. Um, right, right. I can, yeah, I can only assume they just haven't resubmitted it. But uh, yeah, apart from the drawn-on computer graphics at the end that look absolutely shocking... <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty solid, you know, no-brainer to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So what's pretty your good. what's your good? My good is one that I missed last year, and I'm kind of sorry that I did. It's a little little-known flick called Cooties. Oh yes, I saw you. Yeah. Letter- so we have a th- yeah, we have a theme here. Mm. I-, I loved Cooties. Kids get turned into a uh, ravenous zombie-type creatures running around eating people from chicken nuggets as throwbacks to spring or what is it cabin fever all right yeah yeah but it was uh it was it was it was well acted it's got elijah wood in it a couple other you know notables that you see on tv that you never, never quite remember their name yeah uh but it was it was well acted the, the kids and it were awesome i mean they were <laughs> awesome it was really good uh they did a great job and it was a it's a it's a fun movie great movie i'd recommend it to anybody glad i did glad i'm sorry i missed it um 2015 it might have made my list i'm not sure whether it's out over here yet to be honest it's not one that's come come up on my radar to be honest i always look at the uh vod voodoo oh no it is out it is out yep it happened to be on sale over here for like i don't know six or seven dollars electronic digital version i'd snatch that thing right up
1: yeah dvd is on amazon yeah, it's fairly cheap if you buy it from their markets. Yeah, it came out October last year. Oh, I must have missed that one. You know what? I gave it
0: a 4.5 out of 5. Okay. I really, really enjoyed it. I would, uh, I think you might like it too. It's, you know, it's it's comedy, but not comedy. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, you, you know, but it's, you know, the, <laughs> you just keep looking at those kids going, God dang, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, well, it was really well done.
1: Excellent. Okay. That's good. Let's go to bad. Well, as I did Children of the Corn for my good, my next one is Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. If only it were. Have you
0: seen this one? Oh, it's been years. It's been I years. Mean, trust me, it's been, I love Children of the Corn, so I'll usually watch that at least once or twice during a year. But, you know, it's, it's the sequels. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I can only say. Okay. I've got to
0: be honest. I've seen this
1: film. This is probably the third time in my life I've seen it. I used to hate it, and I really hated it. Watching it this time, it's still bad, but I had a bit of fun with it, to be honest. No. The reason that I like a little bit is Terence Knox is in it. Okay. And I'll watch anything with Terence Knox in it because I'm a huge Tour of Duty fan. Gotcha. And it's got the sweatiest sex scene you've ever seen. <laughs> they must have been spraying them with water as they were doing it. It's, honestly, I don't think it's. I don't think it's it that hot where they were in nebraska but blimey at least it's not soda pop (laughs) yeah so um yeah i mean it's a bad film again if you were watching it now for the first time i could you know it's a retread of the first film the child acting is even worse um there's not much of a plot to it terence knox is fine He's the only he, he carries it on his shoulders, basically. It's pretty bad, but what can you do? It's a Children of the Corn sequel. Exactly. <laughs> it's one of those they probably should have left alone. Yeah. Yeah. But it looked good on Blu ray. Be fair, the picture quality was pretty good.
0: Oh, good. Good. Go on, then what's well, your bad? My bad is a, a movie called The Diabolical. Okay. It is essentially a horror time bounce type of movie or time travel type of movie. Yeah. Um, it, it had possibilities, but it started up and then it would drop to, you know, you know, the first half of the movie is essentially, you know, a horror movie about ghost-like creatures. And then you find out they're actually time travelers. So it's almost two movies. They tried to ramp it up and, but it just, it, they just missed it on, um, it took a long time to get going. And then it took even longer to get to the time travel part. And it just, it, it's one of those that abruptly ends and you're like, really? Yeah, is that it? Some somebody got on their phone and 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 sent it in. Yeah, it's just it's it had immense possibilities and it just didn't materialize on any level. So I, you know, <clears throat> I think the acting was fine, but I think it really suffered suffered some story and script problems, okay. screenplay problems. You know, it just it just didn't. Nope. <laughs> is it a found footage? No, it is not found footage. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, the title rings a bell.
1: I haven't seen it, but the title does ring a bell. I don't think you would like it. <laughs> okay, that, that that speaks volumes, really, doesn't
0: it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, so what's your ugly? Well, if I've done Children of the Corn and Children of the Corn 2...
0: <laughs> Children of the Corn...
1: 3, Urban Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this?
0: No, I don't remember.
1: Oh, no. this film is mental.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah
1: it's bad it is it's an early 90s sequel but it's so much fun it's the probably the goriest of the sequels it's just mental it's you know they move from nebraska to i think it's chicago
0: (laughs) as one does with corn
1: and there's one of the kids finds a little plot of land on an old building and starts growing corn on it because you can in the soil in the middle of Chicago apparently. Absolutely. And then his foster father actually works for a company that buys and sells corn and you know the strand of corn is amazing and blah but he doesn't know it's possessed corn and all. Oh, It's mental. (laughs) Bloody hell. But (laughs) I guarantee you you will watch it and go that was shit but it was fun. (laughs) To be fair it's probably the best of the
0: Children of the Corn sequels and I have seen them all. Uh, Funny enough though there is corn research that goes on right outside of chicago believe it or not oh perhaps it's a conspiracy theory in the in the suburbs yes yes they have decalb seeds cargill seeds uh, both have uh, uh outfits there
1: right that little sentence that you've just said there gave me more information than the whole of children of the corn three did
0: <laughs> now growing corn in chicago can't on, say a de- I've ever on a say derelict it.
1: building site yeah. of
0: course you know
1: <laughs> Probably the most, the worst child actor. No, 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 say, I'd say Children of the Corn 2 had the worst child actor. But the child actor in this, you just want to give him a big slap. Precocious <laughs> little turd that he is. But yeah, it's a good fun film. It probably, the cleanup on Blu-ray wasn't that brilliant, I'll be honest. It was the weakest of the three. It was
0: still quite grainy. Um, it looked just like a slightly polished DVD rip. Well, I mean, it, you know, you got to, let's face facts, if you're Arrow, or your 88 videos, sorry you're going to put the money into one possibly two and phone in the third yeah. especially if it's that good you know
1: yeah but there's um yeah there's a nice little feature on the blu-ray about the uh, children of the corn 2009 remake which you haven't seen yet have you i haven't seen <laughs> oh we'll get there <laughs> yeah that was it that was my ugly really it's a, it's not a good film it's not totally shit film but it's not a very nice film to look at if you know what i mean it's it's an ugly film yes. but
0: yeah it's good fun well, talking about ugly films, mm. our, our listener – well, maybe two if your wife still listens.
1: Oh, no. Um, <laughs> she dropped out on the second
0: one. <laughs> Probably may or may not be familiar with, but we, we did give some feedback to our friends over at Strange and Deadly on this one. We did. And uh, my ugly one is, of course, Headless Eyes. It's a 19, <laughs> 1970s. My eyes. Uh, yes, my eyes. It's a 1970s uh, slasher, blah, blah, blah. I, I just didn't care for it. I know Tom certainly on The Strange and Deadly, um, seemed to understand it a lot better than me and, you know, had pulled out a lot more than me. I, I, I turned it off after 20 minutes. So, I mean, it, it to me, it was just horribly bad. Acting yeah. was bad. It, just forget it. Move on.
1: I mean, yeah, on Strange and Deadly, I mean, Chris made out on there that I absolutely detested this film with every
0: fibre of my being. Um, (laughs) Well, you did. The first thing we just said in our feedback is you just said utter shite. I say it was shit, and it is shit.
1: (laughs) But I didn't hate it as in it made me angry. I wish it didn't exist. I just thought, like you just said, I didn't care for it. Yeah, exactly. I've got shelves full of Grindhouse stuff here you know and i'm a big fan of films like maniac which this film sort of is sort of a precursor to really but it just bored me it bored me stupid and i just didn't care for the stupid sound loops and the really choppy editing and yeah it was
0: just bad (laughs) yes yes so that is uh that one made my uh ugly list there we go half star because i couldn't go any lower
1: (laughs) yeah well i didn't rate it but I'll probably, uh, yeah, I'll probably go that as well.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness.
1: Right then, shall we move on?
0: Let's move on and talk about Martyrs. Okay, uh,
1: let's play a clip and then we'll get into it.
0: Vous pouvez les voir? Ils ont changé, messieurs.
1: Right then, Martyrs, 2008. I'm going to murder these names, so do forgive me. Directed (laughs) by Pascal. I
0: I want it noted. I took notes, but I was hoping you would take the names because there's no way in hell I could uh, figure out how to say them.
1: Well, as is usual, I don't take notes, which I sort of think is becoming our shtick now, isn't it? You take notes and I don't. That's right. But I do have IMDb pulled up on my computer screen right now, so that'll do. So yeah. Martyrs, 2008, directed by Pascal Lohier, I think you pronounce that, starring Mohana Aloué, Mylene Jampanway, and Catherine Bejin, and that's as far as I'm going down the cast list. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. lots of umlauts and little <laughs> things that I can well there's one I can pronounce, Xavier Dolan. I can pr- pronounce that, there you go. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, before we start, I am going to say, the last time we did a original versus remake, we which was Fright Night, we formatted it a little bit so I put in some sound effects and made it sound like a sort of boxing fight, round for round type thing. We're not doing that this time. I think we're just going to do a sort of an description of both films and then sort of have an open discussion about what we feel. There you go. I think that's a better way of doing it. I do, too. Excellent. Right, then. So let's go on with this first version of Martyrs. I'll do a little synopsis and then we'll go from there. A young woman's quest for revenge against the people who kidnapped and tormented her as a child leads her and a friend who is also a victim of child abuse on a terrifying journey into a living hell of depravity. Ooh. Yes. Right. I'll say off the bat, we are going to spoil both of these films. So if you haven't seen either of them, I suggest you go and do that. Especially this first version of Martyrs, the French one, the original. Yes, because it
0: is a film that is best watched cold, so to speak. Yes, it is. Which is how I saw it. Me, me too. Somebody, somebody tossed the name Martyrs around one time, and I then it about a year later didn't didn't click. About a year later, I was looking. I got to find something really just obscene not obscene but just just out there to watch horror wise and i remember the smarter stuff and uh so i ordered it i watched it and went holy shit what did i just see it is a film that at least me personally i was uncomfortable through the whole thing i was uncomfortable at the end and you're just like oh i mean it's it, it is uh probably the most extreme horror that i've seen I mean, you can get more gore. You can get more over-the-top stuff. But this was gory, but in the realm of believability type of gore. And it had that air of, well, shit, this probably could really happen kind of thing. And it just was absolutely creepy, dark, depraved, all those words you can think. But it was – it's a top-flight film. I mean, it's a five-star film.
1: Yeah, I saw this back in – about 2009, and I came to this through another French film called, I call it Frontier, which I think is the French pronunciation, but it look, as written down, it looks like Frontiers, uh, which my wife actually rented and said, Oh, you're, this is supposed to be a really good gory horror film, you're like this. And I watched Frontier and I thought it was fantastic. Um, so I looked up about it and I kept seeing references to this film, Martyrs. So, I put that on the rental list, and it came through the following week. So I sat and watched it on my own. And, uh, yeah, like you say, it's one of those films, if you don't know anything going into it, it just gets under your skin. Yes, yes. You say, there are gorier films out there. There are, what's the word? don't know, more sort of visually,
0: not say visually stimulating, that's the wrong thing. Um, there are more overt films. Yeah. S- certainly, like, Hostile is more overt in the quote-unquote torture-type stuff. Yeah, see, that's interesting, because I don't have a problem
1: with torture porn as a phrase and as a style. And a lot of people seem to, because a lot of people, I think they call it torture porn, I really don't like that title. I, I don't I don't either. I, I think it's... It doesn't bother me. It's what it is. It, everybody who talks about torture porn films, they say they don't like that title, but yet they keep using it, because it's a common reference. And as soon as you say that, everybody knows what you're talking about exactly so i don't have a problem with that at all but martyrs isn't torture porn in the same way as Hostel is or the same way as Saw is it's not no. it's not overly gratuitous hey look what we can do is you know someone's drilling someone's head going oh look at this look at this oh, isn't this great even
0: though it's very visceral on the screen they're a lot more subtle about it
1: yeah because there's a theme to it there's a plot to it right there's something there that you've It's not being fed to you. You've got to seek the answers, if you like.
0: You know, Hostel up front, you know what you're getting. Yeah. You're getting a bunch of rich guys who pay to kidnap people and torture them. This plot, they kind of take you on a journey, and they don't – you always see that there's something behind the curtain. Yeah. When it comes, you're like, oh, this is
1: fucked up. I don't have a problem with Hostel because, you know, if I'm in the mood for watching people getting bludgeoned for no bloody reason, then there it is. I can watch that. Exactly. You know, and sometimes that's all I want from a horror film. You know I'm not one of these people who goes oh well there's no real story to it and you know it's just gratuitous. There was no reason for her to show her tits. Yeah, there was because I fucking enjoyed it. Martyrs <laughs> is a film that makes you think. Yes. It's an intelligent film. It's a thinking man's torture porn film if you like. Yeah we can we, we can go with that. Yeah. It's almost the Dostoevsky or Tolstoy of the hostile type movies. Oh no, well there, there's a highbrow reference for you but yeah 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 I see what you mean. Yank that one out of the air, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) So, yeah, that's martyrs, really. That's what it is stylistically. So let's get into the into the the plot of it. Yeah, the film opens and we're seeing a child escaping from something. We don't know what we know. There's no sexual abuse involved because one of the policemen clearly says, you know, this just seems to be violence against the child for some reason. And we don't know why. And then we follow that child as she goes through the um, the um orphanage system. Yep. She makes a friend and then the authorities at the orphanage try and use that friend to try and get information out of this child. Find out what actually happened to her. And then we skip forward a little bit. And then we find out that this girl, whose name is Lucy, is haunted by some sort of what seems to be a demonic figure. Yes. Appears in her bedroom at night. So if, just talk about that beginning
0: bit. It's quite a... It doesn't give you much that setup. No, no, it, it really doesn't. It uh, it kudos to the filmmakers. This was not a light and airy, nor was it overly grainy and grimy, but it was very darkly set. Yeah, I mean the the mood was there immediately. And this is where the
1: sort of the torture porn comparisons start right at the beginning because the look of the film is very much a film of the 2000s. It's very much that washed out. Look yes. of Saw and Hostel and those types of films. And so straight away we see a child with blood on her and she's running. So obviously our thoughts go, well, what, what's happened there? Uh, and so the first thing that one of the policemen says, which I think is significant, is there's no evidence of sexual abuse. Yes. So you think, well, OK, so so where's this going to go then? Exactly.
0: Exactly. And uh, through this time, we also get little snippets of flashbacks. Yeah. So, you know, you you, you're kind of presented with um, flashbacks of 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 things that have happened. Not not long, you know, 30 second type flashbacks, Uh, but it really does set the stage well. It does. So once we've seen Lucy in her dark bedroom with this demonic
1: figure, the film moves forward 15 years. We're looking at a family, a French family on a Sunday morning, having breakfast. Mum's outside fixing the drainage system for some reason. Because it's broken, I expect. As, as moms do. As moms <laughs> tend to do. Oh, my yeah. mom's always out there with a the pickaxe and a sledgehammer. <laughs> right. Digging up the sewers. <laughs> yeah, there's a ring at the door. Dad goes to answer the door, still got his dressing gown on. And it's Lucy with a shotgun. And boom, he's done away with. Yep.
0: In quick order, blood everywhere.
1: Yep. Uh, and she then wakes her way through the rest of the family, the mother and the son and the daughter. But again, we're not given any information as to why. And then after the, uh must be said, well-staged and pretty brutal murders. Yes, yes, there is blood everywhere. There is. And it's all done very, very quickly in that sort of 2000s quick editing style, but you can still make out everything that's going on.
0: Which I think, quite honestly, we didn't, you know, the long drawn-out violence scenes would have dare I say it, taken away from the uh, atmosphere of the movie.
1: Yeah. It gives you enough to know what's going on, but it doesn't dwell on it.
0: We're going to go back to your point, kind of a, a thinking person's type of move.
1: Yeah. It shows you it in full carnage. And, you know, when she shoots the dad and you see him fly across the hallway, it doesn't shy away, but it doesn't linger on his dead body. You just see it hit the floor, bosh, camera moves to the next. Exactly. Shot. So we know what's going on. She's killed all the family. Even even the kids. Even the kids. She gets on the phone and she phones her friend Anna, who comes to the house.
0: Walks in, and there's blood everywhere.
1: Yeah. And all we we know is that she keeps saying that she's found them. Yes. She's found them, and she seems to be trying to appease this demon figure who keeps appearing, who is still appearing in this house right now. Yes.
0: But in the first of the film's many twists, the demon isn't really there. It's in her mind and she's all the things we see the demon doing to her she is doing to herself. Yeah,
1: we the film sort of shifts slightly now to Anna's point of view and Anna sees Lucy banging her head against the table, um and slashing herself with a knife. Which I'll be honest, this is the only bit in the film where I sort of went, Really? <laughs> we see the demon slash Lucy down her back right down the middle of her back. When we switch to Anna's point of view, we see those marks on her back, and I thought, you've got to be one hell of a contortionist to do that to yourself. I even miss that, to be honest. They are dead straight razor marks right down the middle of her back.
0: But but now that you say that, is yes. Yes, yes. Because that, that is a, a pseudo-lingering shot. Yeah. You, like, you know, down. Yeah. But if it still causes the right effect. You know, it's just me being a bit nitpicky. But, you know, it's, so at this point we have Lucy... And from Anna's perspective, has gone off the rails. So Anna then notices. Uh, Lucy says, "We got to get rid of the bodies." So she's starting to cart the bodies out to the the drain that Mum actually dug. And, you know, kind of dig your own grave kind of thing. That's why she did it. See, there's always a reason. <laughs> well, she did. She did it to get down to the what looked like valves to to fix whatever the problem was. But you know, it's kind of handy grave. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Anna finds mom is still alive. And we we get this scene where you know there's a lot of stuff going on, but Lucy finds out that she's trying to drag the alive mom out of the house to help her, and she comes out with this hammer thing and just waylays her head. Very brutal, very brutal scene. It, it is, and you know, and again, it's there's not a lot of blood flying or a lot of close-ups, but you know, you you get the picture real quick. The camera seems to flash on
1: the hammer in the air, and then it switches to the hammer making impact, and yes. then it switches back to the hammer in the air.
0: So you can see everything she's doing, but it's not lingering at all. Right. Right. And it's uh, again, kudos to the filmmakers. I mean, they're just they're keep giving you enough information, giving you enough just all out creepy. Yeah. But they're not giving you everything. No, nope. they'll get to that in a minute. Yes. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. So there's a big tidy up. The mum is now completely dead. Lucy has one more encounter with the demon. That's in her mind and then she steps outside in the rain and she cuts her own throat. We're still not quite halfway into the film by the end of this. Right. So already it's given us it's given us blood and gore, brutality, and the the seeds of a story which we haven't got to yet. Exactly. We still don't know why she killed these people. Or herself. Or herself. But we're about to because Anna goes back into the house. She has a conversation with her mother on the phone. And then as she's looking around the house, she finds a little hatch. With a padlock on it. With a padlock on it that leads down to a basement area. So she busts the padlock,
0: goes down the ladder. And what does she find? She finds another girl down there, essentially tied up. Yeah. Bloodied, obviously abused, beaten.
1: She basically finds somebody who has been tortured to the absolute extreme this person this girl is naked and she's wearing some sort of metal like a brace on her body that is connected to a uh, i don't know what you'd call it some sort of helmet that is screwed into her head literally yep literally screwed in her head with these rivet joints quite striking makeup i think don't know why it always reminds me of the exorcist when i see this scene it
0: does have that feel to it doesn't? yeah
1: it? It, it's that sort of the way the skin's gone sort of greenish and it's got those laceration marks. Yep, yep. You know, that's 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 the vibe, I think. All the
0: makeup in this, uh, from this point on, is exceptional. Oh, it is. It's fantastic.
1: So, yeah, so Anna brings this person back upstairs into the house. She manages to remove this uh, helmet that's on her head by removing the rivets in an exceptional piece of makeup work. Tries to give this girl a bath, clean her up. But this girl's frantic. She can't speak. She's just manic, doesn't know where she is, what's going on. You know, she's been pushed beyond sanity, really. Yeah. Yeah. But as she's sort of having one of her uh, seizures, we get uh, the real to the real nub of the story when uh, a group of soldiers burst in. Yes. Puts a bullet through the head of the, uh, the, the torture victim. And then we find out what's really going on when Anna meets uh, a mysterious woman who lays it all out to her. Mademoiselle, mademoiselle, who reveals to us that she is on the search for martyrs, who are women. Well,
0: mainly women, because women are more um, subjective to it, apparently. Well, they they said that their experience of men, kids, they found women. And you 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 know when she says that, I don't remember the exact line, but it's you're like, oh Jesus Christ, what the fuck are these people doing? Um, I, ma- I imagine it's probably a
1: reference to maybe because women are the child bearers they're the givers of life maybe yes. there's some sort of tie in that way That's what they're getting at but yeah uh, basically these Mademoiselle is the head of an organization who tortures young women to the point of these young women being able to see what happens in the next life but they haven't been successful yet in finding out what is on the other side basically. Yes. And so now begins a barrage of abuse on Anna as Mademoiselle and her team go to work on Anna to try and see if Anna is susceptible to become a martyr.
0: Yes, it is all understated. It's all not very long shots, but, you know, you get the repetitive beating, the repetitive feeding. It's uh, don't you feel all those punches that Anna takes? They I mean, they just did. a Yes, it is. it. Superbly shot. What do you say, about 20 minute sequence? 20, 25 minutes. Yes, yeah, I'm in on that. Yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's extremely stark, extremely visceral. It, it's, I mean, you see everything on the screen, but again, it's all not overtly done like in Hostel and other movies. It's very. Very subdued, but extremely effective.
1: Yeah. So Anna is beaten. We don't know the time period of how long this takes, but we assume it's over a period of weeks, possibly months, because a new family move into the house upstairs. Right. She's beaten. She's tortured. Eventually, as she's beginning to transgress into the other side, they take all of her skin off, except her face. Yes, yes, they do. In one of the most haunting shots of the whole film. Oh. It's sort of it's it's hellraiser levels of bodily goo. Yes. And it's uh and then they turn a heat lamp on. Oh no, bastards, not they? They may as well just poured lemon juice over it. I know. Jeez. Oh, 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 oh that would have stung, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: There's my review of martyrs. Oh that would have stung. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so which pushes Anna to the next level and She finally goes into the trance of seeing what is on the other side. Mademoiselle is immediately summoned. Mademoiselle is summoned because Anna is still alive and she's able to speak and she's able to tell Mademoiselle what is on the other side. Yes. Yes, she
0: does. But it couldn't have been that great because. Well, but there's that shot of all the um, members of the organization showing up at the house Mm-hmm. And you see all these very stereotypical Downton Abbey type of uh, rich folks popping out of their cars. Little, I mean, but right. I mean, that, I know it's that's a, an episode
1: of Downton Abbey. I didn't see the <laughs> martyrs episode.
0: <laughs> but but you know what I mean? A very they seemed all very proper dressed up and they're all going to go um, listen to Mademoiselle's testimony. I mean, yes. to me, that was one of the it's like, God. Dang! What are you people? You know, you just you you take in that shot and you're just like, oh, you know, beyond it's beyond screwed up in the head. It's yeah. So there's a house full of people all waiting
1: to hear what Mademoiselle has to say and to hear the the secrets of life and death. But Mademoiselle's not going to tell them. No, she is not. She's going to put a gun in her mouth instead and blow her brains out before uttering. Keep on doubting. Get, keep on doubting. Keep on doubting, and then blows her head off. And then the film ends with a lingering shot of Anna in her flayed form, laying on uh, a rack. I thought
0: she was in some kind of bath. Could well be. <laughs> <laughs> so there, that is Martyrs thoroughly spoiled for you. Exactly. But in your left at the end thinking, did Anna tell the truth? Did she tell what she really saw? What did she see? We don't know. We don't know. It's one of them ambiguous endings. I think
1: realistically, it can only be one of two things. It can either be there's absolutely nothing, in which case, Mademoiselle comes to the realization she's tortured and killed all these people for nothing. That's why she blows her brains out. Or it's something that's too much for a human mind to handle. Which is why she blows her brains out. Which is why she blows her brains out. So we don't know. And there's no definite answer. And that's also key to the film's strength, I think.
0: Believe it or not, I like to think that. If martyrs existed in that transgressive state, Hmm. that in this situation she lied to Mademoiselle, told her of a great white light kind of thing, and Mademoiselle was ready to go into that uh, afterlife, and she was tricked, and she went to her own uh, eternal damnation loop, whatever that may be.
1: It could be. My only thing with that is would Anna have been in a state to think about concocting
0: a plan to maybe trick her? No, but whatever she was seeing could have given her that ability to concoct a plan. Possibly. I have to process this um, (laughs) in some way that makes me feel good about what I've seen, or at least makes me (laughs) – I don't think you can feel good about Martyrs. (laughs) Not not good, but at least lets me sleep at night.
1: It is a – I've got to be honest. This is one of those films I've – it was in my mind for weeks after I first saw it. Oh, yeah. I would come out the gate now and say, I think when we talk horror films and, you know, there's that top tier of horror films that everybody references all the time. you got The Exorcist, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, those ones. Yeah. I, I think Martyrs is up there with them. Oh, absolutely. I it, think it, this is as close to a modern classic as we've got. Yes. Certainly since Hellraiser. It's the best film of the last 10 years. Horror wise, I'd go more than that. I'd say at least 25 years. Probably. To me, I think this film is the best horror film since Hellraiser, most certainly. Yeah, it's just a film that sort of takes what you think you already know and just completely fucks it over. Yep. Same way that Hellraiser did with you know the slasher film. It took all those elements, even though it's not a slasher film, but it took those elements and just made it into something completely different that you hadn't seen before. Yep. Martyrs does that extremely well. Um, the- yes, Acting is superb throughout. Um, I hope nobody got hurt in the making of this film, but it looks like they fucking did at some point because you see every punch, every kick, every slash of a razor blade. It's all there, but none of it lingering. None of it, you know, oh, look what we've done.
0: And it was interesting, in, in, especially in Act 3. There were very few lines delivered. It was all absolutely done visually.
1: Yes, After
0: Mademoiselle's told you
1: what what a martyr is and and what they're trying to achieve, you know, it then becomes show, not tell. Yes. And I think, I mean, in our feedback, we got some feedback from um, Chris Clayton. He says it as well. It's a film of two halves. In the first half, you've got that sort of analysis of mental illness of Lucy. And you think Lucy's going to play the big part throughout the whole film. But she doesn't. Right. When it switches to Anna, it becomes something else. It becomes a lot more... Uh, it becomes less manic than the first film, uh, than the first half. Sorry.
0: Yes, they had a lot of ground to cover in the first half. They did it exceptionally, um, but they didn't have as much ground to cover. So you're, you're exactly right. It's almost uh, two speeds. That's right. Manic and what the hell am I watching?
1: Yeah, and then when it's when it settles down tonally, it settles down, and you actually get the plot and the the resolution. You're almost you're almost in a trance like state with Anna, if you like. Yes. Yes. As you can't believe what you're seeing, what you're hearing, you know, the fact that there are people, I mean, like you said earlier on, this could happen. Yes. There could be people in this world who do things like this. You know, and we all look at the news and we all, you know, every week goes by that you look at Twitter. We were always commenting on, I can't believe this is happening and that's happening and he's done this and she's done that, you know, and it's all out there because there's nothing more disturbing a human mind, is there? Exactly. You know, there's nothing in these films
0: that can actually sort of be worse than anything that real people have come up with. In the remake, they have a little special feature on the DVD that I have, and there was an interview with the uh, Lucy and Anna characters, and one of them coins it "man's". You know, one of them says something about man's inhumanity towards man. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what the second half is. But, I, I you know, I think we could go on for the next three hours and talk about how great Martyrs is. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. Uh, we'll rate, keep our ratings till the end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I already gave mine away. So sorry. Oh, OK. <laughs> no spoiler. Right. Yeah. It, but, you know, it, it's funny is it, it doesn't it's one of those films that I guess the, doesn't have impact on everybody. Cause I recommended it to a Twitter friend and she watched it and, you know, and she said it was weird. And then she said, I'm not entirely sure how somebody could survive, you know, daily beatings like that. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it kind of affects people in a different way. Yeah. You know, it, it really does. And to me, it just, it's, uh, you know, to me, it's, look, you said it's, I said 10 years, but I think I could agree with you on 25. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's martyrs basically. Um, Right, should we move on to cover The Other Martyrs? Yes. (laughs) Don't sound too enthusiastic.
0: Oh, you know, when I heard or found out, I think I found out way after it was completed. But, you know, you just, you're like, why? 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 It's it's a classic. It's, nobody can duplicate. And I'm going to say this, at least when Zombie redid Halloween, he at least presented it as his own kind of version and it took a little different direction than the original, which I was thankful for. This one, although not certainly not shot-for-shot remake, it essentially follows a similar plot with a little bit difference at the ending, I guess you could say.
1: Okay, with that in mind then, should we play a trailer?
0: Uh, If we must. If we must. We must.
1: Lucy Duran actually escaped from us 15 years ago. Back then, we weren't quite a sharp. We were disorganized. <laughs> as for the rest, Lucy's just a victim. <laughs> All of the others For you. It is so easy to create a victim young lady so easy. We're back in the room. Martyrs twenty fifteen, directed by Kevin Getz and Michael Getz. Getz or Goetz? Getz. Getz, okay. Stars, Bailey Noble, Kate Burton, Caitlin Carmichael, Melissa Tracy and Trojan Belisario. I think that's how you pronounce it. Right then. (laughs) I, I think it is too. I think you did well with that one. Did I? Oh good. Those lessons paid off. Right then, so the plot of this one is essentially the same as the first one. A woman and her childhood friend seek out revenge on those who victimize and abuse them, is what it says on IMDb. Right then, Martyrs. Go on then, you own this on DVD. I do.
0: Run us through it. (laughs) I can't
1: find the words.
0: It it opens, it really opens the same way, the same way Martyrs does. Um, You know, little girl escapes from her torturers, meets Anna in an orphanage. They form a special connection. Yada yada yada. We got the demon being there. Um, we fast forward to the college years. Anna phones Lucy at some point. Says, "I found him." And then Lucy comes to the house, and you know they're all dead. And just you know, up to this point, it's not Chris. I wouldn't call it shot for shot, but it's it's reasonably close. It sticks pretty close to what we know from the first film up till this point, and the the. <sighs> The the acting from the two Anna and Lucy is I mean it's good in this one too uh, I think the the original was better and that could be for hundreds of reasons but I, I think I mean Lucy and Anna didn't did well in the movie acting wise but I mean you're you have to act the script you have to act your direction I
1: think in suffers. the original I think the friendship is a little more believable um, and I don't know why it, I don't think it's because it's acted bad. Or any worse, I just think in the remake, I think they skimmed over a
0: couple of little bits of yes, yes. small details that just cement that friendship a little more. And, you know, and one of the things, too, is that the, the starkest, no pun intended, difference is kind of the starkness. This one, it's light, it's polished, you don't get that real... Dark, depraved feeling. It's almost airier, if you will. I, I don't know, Chris, what you thought about that. It's certainly a lot cleaner. It's a lot brighter, but I would also say with
1: that, it lacks a certain style.
0: Yes, yes. I don't
1: think there's anything in this film that marks it out as anything you haven't seen before on,
0: you know, a thousand other director DVD modern horror films. It, exactly. I mean that those even those opening sequences were. You know, you, you, were, you were sucked in that this is going to be one hell of a fucked up journey. This one, it I don't know, it just kind of starts out like a modern horn. In the original, there's a lot
1: of shaky cam work in the beginning, especially when you're getting the, the attacks from that demon thing. Yes, yes. Again, I'm not a massive fan of shaky cam, but I think it adds a little bit of style to something, which, which could have been generic, which is essentially what the beginning of this film is. It's not terrible. The first half of this film and you, you're still sort of quite invested as to why what's gone on to these people, what's happened to them, but it just doesn't look like there's anything going on. It, it looks like they're just acting out what is exactly
0: on the page of the script and no more. Right. But the big differences really start to kick in when we, when uh, Lucy finds the, the door that leads to the, the dungeon <laughs> thing. Yeah. And she goes down there and finds um, a little girl that you can tell by the, the dress, that she's been mistreated, but she, that's the only, you know, the only way. It's a complete departure at this point of setting the stage, getting that, as Chris says, atmosphere. Cause right now we just see a little girl running around screaming in dirty clothes, essentially. This for me is where the film dropped right off. Yep. I was
1: willing to stick with it up to this point because yeah, it's a remake of a film that we've already seen. Chris
0: dare say, dare say up till this point. I was thinking, well, it's not the original, but so far it's it's not bad. Yeah, if you were going to
1: see this for the first time without knowing about the original, you know, you could, okay, let's see see what happens. You're on board. But, yeah.
0: But the minute they start dropping that ball, when they get down to the the seemingly well-lit dungeon, if you will. Oh, yeah, it's um, nice and clean and tidy down there. Ab- absolutely, especially if you've seen the first one. You're just like... Here, oh great! Here we go. That
1: moment in the first one when Anna goes down to the basement and you see that torture victim just come out of the darkness.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like I said. I mean, the only thing I can think of is The Exorcist. It's like that when you first see Reagan fully possessed. Yep. It's just like holy fuck, what is this? In this version, she goes down to the basement and there's a little girl in a slightly dirty dress just wandering around. There's no uh, gory makeup. There's no demonic presence. There's no Nothing. It's just a little girl who's just looks like she's she looks pretty well fed for someone who's been in captivity. Right. Right. Looks like she's just come home from school, you know, dirty dress. And that's it. She's hiding in the basement. And, you know, and
0: the second thing is when now they've it, they don't just call her Mademoiselle. She now has a name. It is. What is it? Kate Burton played Eleanor. Yeah, she has a name. She, she's a character now. And and a bunch of rednecks show up. I mean, in the first one, you have flax suited policemen showing up and that you're like as you get more interested you're, you're just thinking, Oh my god, what kind of a global weirdo and blah 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 but this you just get the feeling that it's a you know, just a group of nutbags.
1: Yeah, and then there's a really horrible chase through the fields outside <laughs> with Anna and Lucy and the little girl. Yeah. Reminds me of one of them bad children of the corn sequels again.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're all brought back to the house. We're introduced to Eleanor, the Mademoiselle character, who sort of lays out the same. There's a lot of the same script used as what Mademoiselle used in the original when she's showing Anna the pictures of the the previous martyr victims and look at their
0: eyes and all this sort of stuff. That's all the same. And to be fair, I thought, had I not seen the original, I thought Kate Burton did a great Eleanor. I I thought she did it extremely well after. I think she's fine. She reminded me a bit. Have you seen the film, the the Jean-Claude
1: Van Damme film? It was called AWOL over here. I think it was called Lionheart in America. With the uh,
0: underground fighting ring?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that woman in that. I can't remember her name. Cynthia, the character's name is. And she's sort of like the ringleader. Yes, yes. She reminded me of her. Yes,
0: yes, exactly.
1: You know, she had a bit of a presence, a bit of a, you know, you wouldn't fuck with this person. Right. Yeah, you know, she's got her bodyguard behind her, you know. Um what I did feel though is when Eleanor is laying out what the martyr is, I don't think there was enough detail. No. In in the French film, when she laid out what a martyr is, you got the full details of what they were going for and you right. got you got this sort of um excitement off of Mademoiselle about what she was saying. Yep. Didn't get that off Eleanor. She so basically said, These are people who see what's on the other side. We're hoping to find someone who can tell us. Basically. Yes. It. yes. So you didn't get that impact of, Oh, shit, these are people who are, you know, these these guys mean business. Right. Yes. Yes. What,
0: what happens next, then, Myron? Um, well, I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I try, I'm trying to think. I mean, I did watch this I yesterday. I watched it this morning, like, and I can't uh, fucking remember. <laughs> it, it, well, th- the weird thing is, Anna and Lucy. Are still both alive. Yes. And there's no there's no victim build up like there was in the first one. All Eleanor says is Lucy is prepared to go to the next stage or some bollocks like that. And she reveals to Anna what
1: they're actually doing. And she she shows Anna this room. And there's a congregation of people in there looking at a torture victim up on a crucifix. Being burned at the stake. Being burned by some really quite bad CGI flames.
0: I don't know if they hurt or
1: not, but, you know, someone got paid to do that. Just remember that. Yeah. And there is a a priest who is sort of overseeing.
0: And and I will say that the priest being there was a it was a nice touch. It 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 did add an air of um, it was. But I also get the feeling that
1: I don't know if it needed the religious angles quite as much, because in the first one. You don't get the sense of religion about it.
0: Oh, at all? No, there was no. There's no, no mention
1: of Christianity or of gods or of you know a bright white light and angels and all that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, in in that universe, that is something that quite possibly could be one of the things that she saw. You don't know. Yeah. In this film, they bring a priest into it, and the victims are hung up on a crucifix. The crucifix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's. Don't know. It didn't work for me, to be honest. We have a we have an American expression called ham-handed. So yeah. I guess, yeah, that was very ham-handed. Ham-fisted, we would say, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah same yeah, thing. Yeah. You almost like to deliver a ham fist to somebody's head for this idea. Again,
1: and I think that is just another trite thing for, to throw at an American audience, who would no doubt throw their own religious angle at it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But it's almost like oh, it, they're hammering course. it home. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get them fundamentalist yeah. Christians – watching this type of thing and you know it, it doesn't need to be stated in quite
0: an overt way yeah 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 That that's right you know uh, again they didn't rely on subtlety they tried to club you over the head with it in this one
1: but in a way that plays into the ending of when the priest finally the priest's very final scene yes yes in a way i can see why they went there but i don't think it was done very well
0: yeah yeah well take us through the ending chris
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway things move on and anna manages to escape uh she picks up a gun she gets out to the congregation i'm really scheming out. honestly i watched this not two hours ago and i cannot remember any details well, y-
0: yeah i mean she somehow gets a gun she just it gets a little girl out and then she goes back in on a charles bronson killing spree
1: yeah she goes all liam neeson on them
0: yeah well she gets shot and she gets stabbed you know, so we can you know, get the ending set up properly.
1: But unlike the first film, whenever there are shootings and stabbings, you don't get the full effect of it. The camera just cuts away just in time. You do see some of it, but not very much.
0: Yeah. He- Enough to get it that rating. Or it, I think it's a non-rated. Oh, OK. Hang on. Let me get my, my case. Let me look on the back here. Not rated.
1: Not rated. OK.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, at this point, then Lucy erupts into the chamber, shoots a bunch of people. And then with the priest, Chris,
1: the priest overhears what Lucy says to Anna while she's in her martyr state and steps forward and says, I heard everything she said. And he puts the gun in his mouth and blows his brains out. Yes. And and in all fairness, they they did uh,
0: take skin off her back.
1: Yes, yes, yes. She doesn't get flayed like uh, she did in the first film, but she gets a few razor cuts and a little bit of skin taken off like she was having an operation.
0: Yeah, which they really didn't do anything with like they did in the first one. It doesn't serve a purpose, apart from to put her in a bit more pain. And just to make sure that they had
1: the flayed scene from the first one. To put her in a bit more pain, and to be honest, if you were that far gone, you probably wouldn't feel it anyway, so I don't really know why it's there. But the priest over here is that he shoots himself. So, again, that could be maybe she said there's no God. And he heard that and thought, oh, this has been for nothing. Blam. You don't know. It's left ambiguous. Anna shoots Eleanor. Yes. um, Mid-speech. Again, you don't see it. You see her fire the gun and you hear the thud of the body hit the floor. And the final shot of the film is basically Lucy and Anna laying there. Their eyes go all evil dead and turn white.
0: And they're having a mutual transgression. A mutual transgression,
1: a bit of a, you know, a transgressive loving. Yes. Eyes turn white, fade to black. So they're both martyrs. Yes, and it couldn't have come quick enough. No. (laughs) I mean, it just... You can tell the way we skimmed over that. We really didn't like it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it just...
1: Yeah, this Martyrs 2015 version is the exact example of why remakes generally don't make the grade. Yeah, I've got nothing against remakes per se. You know, I happily give me an hour and I'll tell you everything I love about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. And, you know, the Hills Have Eyes remake and all that sort of stuff, you know. And it's not like somebody come. If you say you like a remake, it's not like somebody comes along and takes away your original copy and says you can't watch that one anymore. You know, they're all there for you to enjoy. Yes. If anyone says they like this one better than the original, I would happily beat them to death with the DVD. It's (laughs) fucking awful. It, 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 it's uh, it is, it's sanitized it's watered down Yes, it doesn't yes. expand on anything it, yes it brings nothing new to the no, table no it is simply an exercise in having martyrs on a screen in English language so people haven't got to read subtitles but the subtitle experience is part of it it's part of it and also the last half of the original martyrs there's hardly a word said Until Mademoiselle puts that gun in her mouth, there's hardly anything said.
0: Exactly. It was a – this was one for the sake of remaking it because I don't know. Martyrs does not have a a Blu-ray release over here. It's only got the original DVD to my knowledge.
1: It was shown at at Fright Fest Glasgow over here um, last week or the week before. Um, And I've just seen on IMDb it's hitting theatres over here on April the 1st. The remake? Yeah, April Fool's Day. That's appropriate.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's probably the plan to get people in to see it. It, it, it just, it, I, with how Martyrs is, with how good it is, you know, it, they just, it just, the remake just failed.
1: I can remember seeing, um, headlines about them remaking Martyrs back in 2009. And there was a thing about, um, the director, Pat, oh, I've forgotten his name now. I think Pascal Lohier, there was talk about him being connected to the the Hellraiser remake that was coming and uh, all that sort of stuff, which I can absolutely see. You know, there's going to be an English version of Martyrs because, you know, people need to see this film and it's going to be remade for an American audience. And that was sort of six, seven years ago. It's taken this long for it to get to the screen. And when we get it, it is it's so sterile and safe and watered down and. You know, I would almost say it's the made-for-TV Channel 5 version of Martyrs.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. It's it something they could show on HBO.
1: Yeah. No, there's nothing shocking. There's nothing shocking. There's nothing that makes you go, oh, holy shit.
0: Yeah. Like there is in the first one. At least with, you know, Zombies make of Halloween. I'll go back to that again. Because hmm. I think it's a, for me in my mind, it's a it's good comparison is at least Mr. Zombie brought in some original ideas. And set a style for himself and, you know. And he didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. And you could tell he loved the movie and that he wanted to set his own atmosphere and style. But this, I'm not, I just don't know. I, you know, again, Chris used watered down, brightened up version of the movie. Mm. Watch the original. Don't watch the sequel. Sorry, remake. Absolutely. It's right. Should we, should we
1: rate these? Yes martyrs 2008 what'd you give it five stars no question stars i'm gonna give it five uh five flayed skins out of five same as there you. there you go there yeah. you go martyrs 2015 how many uh what should we go on this one how many watered down remakes
0: out of five are you gonna give it uh i went with two. Ooh. i did and the my reasoning is is that I thought the actors and actresses did very well in this, given their material, given their script, given their direction, they delivered good performances, solid performances. Okay. You know, they they brought emotion to it, but you can only act with the direction, the script that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's why I gave it two because I did enjoy the the performances. Didn't care for the script. Didn't care for the you know the the plot and storyline were all atmosphere was all bollocks. But I did enjoy the acting.
1: Okay. Well, you liked it more than me, then. I'm going to give it one. Yeah. I'm going with a one. Uh, The reason I'm not going half is because it is a remake of a brilliant film, and so there is the seed of something there. Yes. I didn't mind the beginning of it. Like you say, the acting is pretty good. It's not enough for me to say this is more than one star, though. It's very basic. There's not enough gore in it. Even if they just up the gore just to give you something to look at, that would have been something, right? Right. But it's not there. The camera tends to cut away just as you there's you know something to see. Um, it's totally different to the original where the camera shows you the weapon, it shows you the impact, and it flips between the two so you get the full story of what's happening. This one right. doesn't do that at all. It literally shows you the hammer, shows it moving towards the somebody's head, and you see you hear a. And then it goes. Camera just moves away to something else. Right, right. It's safe. It's sanitized. It's clean. And that's not what I want Martyrs to be. I want it to be a transgressive film that's going to – it's an experience to watch the first film. Go into it cold, watch it, soak it in, and come away. And it's a film you know, you come away from it with what you go into it with. And that's, you know, say some people think – The ending means this. Some people think it means this. And it's all up there for discussion. There's nothing in the remake. It's all laid out for you. And what's laid out for you isn't that interesting. Right. You know, the religious angle is clumsily put in. I think whilst I said I don't think it needs to be there, if it is going to be there, they could have expanded on it. There's nothing I like better in in a good horror film than, you know, satanic cults masquerading as Christians, that type of thing. I love all that. You know, Children of the Corn did it better, for fuck's sake. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just I don't know.
0: I'll I'll never watch it again. I've watched it twice for this show. Me too. And and yes, yes, I did purchase it. uh, But I'm a completist. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a completist. I'm not that much of a completist.
0: (laughs) But um, I cry bullshit on that. (laughs) (laughs) You are a completist. and, And at some point you will see it. It will be in a bin, and you will go, I own the first one, I need this. It will, be in, a- my, it will be in my fucking bin. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, you'll pay a pound
1: for it. Oh, well, that's more than the script writers spent doing this, I dare Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. You no, know, say, so it's not available over here yet, um, but it is available online if you want to buy a Region 1 DVD of it. You know, beat the queues, get the Region 1. It's available. That's it. That's all I'm going to say on that piece of shit, to be quite honest. Exactly. Right, then. We've had some feedback. We have fucking hell. It's only taken eight shows.
0: (laughs) Somebody's listening because I forced him to watch the fucking film. That's right. That's right. And I begged him for feedback. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we stuck him in our own torture dungeon and did unspeakable (laughs) things to him. That's right. We made him watch the remake of Martyrs. That's, that's uns- right. That's the unspeakable thing we did. Yeah, it's from <laughs> our good friend Chris Clayton over at Strange and Deadly Show. He sent us in a bit of feedback. So Myron, would you like to do the honors?
0: I would. So this is our feedback from Chris Clayton at The Gore Boy on Twitter, co-host of The Strange and Deadly Show, which we love. Says, hi chaps. Chris here from The Strange and Deadly Show. I thought I'd write in and give you a bit of feedback for your Martyrs Double Bill. Thank you, Chris. Firstly, I very much enjoy the podcast in general. He must be drunk. There's an ease and comfort about the way you two interact, and I've been a fan of Mr. Ward for quite some years now. Of course he has. And why wouldn't he be? (laughs) I'd like to think of both of you as kindred spirits, with the three of us being both horror and metal fans. Oh, yes. Yes, all of the films you've covered so far, ones I'm either a fan of, or I'm interested in. So it's been a fun listen. It's been fun to listen to you discuss and pick them apart. It also has been lovely to share some banter with Myron, a fine fellow indeed. Well, thank you, Chris. That was very nice of you, even though he's an Arsenal fan. Well, we can't all be perfect.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't do that silly kickball thing. I don't know what <laughs> it, it means. We,
0: we got silly throwball here, so we're all right. <laughs> right. So let's uh, let's get to the battered hand. I'm a huge fan of the Original Martyrs. I was lucky enough to see it having not a single moment of it spoiled for me way back in two thousand and eight. I was able to see it the same way, although much later, and I think Chris, you saw it the same way. I think that's really the best yeah. to see it. Best way to see it. All I'd heard that it was really, really good, and that was enough for me, if I remember rightly. I was recording my old Gore Boy radio show at the point in time and I was set a review disc for the film. I sat there, let it wash over me, half in shock, half in disbelief. You've probably both discussed it to death by now, we, we kind of have, uh, but I couldn't believe the way the plot changed halfway through. It became a film of two distinct halves, the former a very dark tale of mental illness and sharp, angry brutality, the second an utterly bleak, depressing, and upsetting lamentation on torture, pain, and ecstasy. Interesting perspective. There are a few films that have made me sit and pause for about a half an hour after I've seen them, just thinking about what I've seen and what it all meant, such as the power of the original, a film that seemed to give a strange kind of meaning to torture. Interesting. So now we come to the remake, and oh boy, talk about misguided. Now there's a word we didn't use, but it certainly fits. Thank you, Chris, for that. Why is it that so many Americans, I can't answer that question, remakes feel the need to fill in the backstory so much that the mystery is entirely gone? That's what happens here. That's a kind of what we were trying to get at but didn't put it in those words yeah the first half an hour or so seemed to be more or less a copy of the original uh but i feel like focusing on the girls meeting as children was a mistake there was something incredibly brutal about the opening of the original with the killing of the family being entirely unexpected not so here also it had seemed inevitable that this remake had to bring in optimism the possibility of the bad guys losing and the good guys surviving it's all very generic as typical as the American distributors cutting the ending off, The Descent, so that everybody thought she got away. I don't know why we do that, Chris and Chris, <laughs> but I, I have no words. Uh, well, yes, I do. I'll only offer this with an analogous antidote. Anecdote. An- anecdote. Not an antidote. I wish I had that. Both The American Horror Story and Deathgasm – I'm sorry, A Christmas Horror Story and Deathgasm were renamed – Get into the Walmart stores here. I think that is just a comment on some of why we make watered down versions of otherwise epic films. It's the only thing I can answer is our over desire to sanitize things to some supposed American audiences can't handle this stuff. I don't. I'm afraid I didn't like this remake at all, lads. If you make few remakes get it right. I'm all for film. I'm all for films trying to do something different. But what they do in the second half here isn't any better than the original. It's demonstrably worse, diluted, which we used, and painfully safe. That's all there is to it. With that said, I'm eager to hear your opinions as well as those of other listeners. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to hearing this and future episodes. Take care, Chris. Well, then, I think while three of us are in agreement on the remake,
1: for sure. Yeah, thank you very much, Mr. Clayton. Um yes. I will draw a point with one thing you put in your last paragraph when it says you're eager to hear the opinions of other listeners. So would I be, but we don't get any fucking mail. yours is the first and so far the only but no thank you very much yeah Yeah. that's Um, right that's right i like the way the one point he did bring up which is that line where he says the mystery is entirely gone and that is exactly that is exactly what happens in the remake it's just there's nothing that makes you think exactly it's all just laid out for you thank you very much mr clayton for that little bit of feedback very nice of you to contribute. Hopefully, uh, won't be the last we hear from you. Although, please do keep it in written form because I don't want to hear your voice, to be quite honest.
0: <laughs> you're going to give the you're going to give the guy a complex.
1: Well, after his little comment on Twitter the other day about my voice, <laughs> don't think I didn't see that.
0: <laughs> I see everything. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh no, it's all good. To be to be honest, he does because if the words boobs are mentioned by timeline. It, we could count on Chris popping in right away. <laughs> within seconds. Someone mentioned Sometime, Moose. Sometimes within seconds, yes.
1: <laughs> now, yeah, we do. We have a little bit of banter with Mr. Chris backwards and forwards, but it's all good fun. All good fun. He's a great lad. He, he is. He's a, he's, a, he's a great lad. He's a good boy. I think I think I remember talking to him about Martyrs years ago, back when he was doing his Boy radio show. I'm pretty sure we had a conversation about it then. It would. You know, if you knew him back then, that
0: would make perfect sense. Yeah, you. yeah. So,
1: yeah, thank you very much. Right, yeah, so is that Marta's done and dusted? Yep. We obviously yep. prefer the original to the remake, so any sort of fight contender thing, the original wins?
0: Hands down. Hands down. No split decision. No split decisions here, no. The original goes back on your shelf, and the remake apparently is going to go in the bin. It is. I still contend one day you're going to buy it. I'm not. Just for completist. If you're going to look at that empty spot on your shelf, you're going to go, I have to buy this. Byron told me I'd have to buy it. It's been eating at me for years. I'm buying it. I had a bit of a Twitter chat the other day with um, Chris Brown. Yes.
1: Does the History of Horror Podcasts And he was after some information about VHS Viral because he wanted to know whether the UK DVD has the missing segment on it. Because there was a segment that was cut out and the uh, UK DVD was on sale on Amazon for two ninety nine. So 99 uh, So... I had this chat with him and uh, we come to the conclusion that the UK DVD doesn't have the missing segment on it, so he's got to buy the American Region One version. Uh-huh. The American Region One version, I think he said he paid something like thirteen pounds for it. That sounds about right. I probably could have gotten it cheaper from. Yeah, I think most of that would be shipping, I'd imagine. Yes. But um <laughs> so maybe say thirteen pounds for VHS Viral. That's more than they spent on making the fifth fucking film. <laughs> And we got into this conversation about, you know, being a completist. And I said, look, I'm a completist and I have bought VHS Viral on DVD, the cheap British version. That's it. I'm not going to delve any more into that. And he said, <laughs> he said, oh, well, I thought you were a proper completist. I thought you'd want the whole thing. And I said, if it was a good film, I would. And I went there on to say, I said, look, I've got about five or six different versions of Rob Zombie's Halloween on Blu-rays, DVDs, special editions, director's cuts, the whole lot. I said, but VHS Viral, I'm not paying £13 for fucking... Five-minute segment that was cut out <laughs> of a shit film.
0: I think I ended up paying about two and a half pounds at a used store for it.
1: Yeah, I got it brand new for two ninety nine. You can't go wrong there, which is probably what, just under five bucks, I suppose. So
0: God, they phoned that one in, didn't they? God.
1: They did. And I watched. It, I sat and watched it the other night for the second time because I thought I watched it about a year ago originally, and it is bad. It it was worse than I remembered it to be honest.
0: <laughs> I don't have the heart to watch it again.
1: Uh, so I've watched it. I bought the DVD just because I'm a completist. I can look at my shelf and I can see three VHS films on there.
0: <laughs> and you're happy. And I know I've got
1: them. They're there. I'll never watch that one again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the sad fucking thing is, if they do another one, I'll probably end up buying that and I'll. Yeah. Well, I went and saw VHS Viral in the theater. Ah. See, it's people like you that contribute to them making sequels.
0: <laughs> Don't go and fucking watch it at the cinema. But but look. Consider my, I liked VHS one and two. Yeah. I, I will, I will publicly say that I liked them, thought they were well done. And then I thought, oh, okay, they're making another one. And I went and watched it and went, ah, crap. Yeah. It's like I went to see, um, paranormal activity, ghost dimension in the theater. And it's like, holy oh, hell. You know, but again, hey, well, we all make, we all make mistakes. You've only got yourself to blame when they bring another the ex- one out. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Vote with your feet. Don't go.
1: (laughs) Right then, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on then. Right, yes, we are going to do a Blu-ray review of Shiba Baby, recently released by Arrow Video. All right, let's play a trailer and then we'll get to it.
0: to try looking once in a while, getting up off of that fat fanny of yours and going out into the world. All right, let's redecorate the place. Now that
1: Rudy has the phone, we can introduce Derville Martin and a really weird-looking semi-transparent bra.
0: Bill had a private investor, Herman Wiest, who lived in Louisville, had a yacht that we used actually in uh, *Sheba Baby*. So he came to AIP with Aaron Spelling's background. Aaron Spelling was his mentor. Larry Gordon was my mentor. He taught me a lot about making movies. You know the investigation that she does to try to turn up who who is leaning on her father, uh, her father's loan company. Uh, you know, it's the type of investigation that Coffee did as a nurse. Sheba baby.
1: The kind of baby every swinger likes to hold.
0: What the hell you want, bitch? I want some information. Do I look like the Color bureau of information? What you mean information? About what?
1: Gang, 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 shake it. She got out! A- Sheba Baby, 1975, directed by William Girdler and starring Pam Greer, Austin Stoker, Derville Martin, Dick Merrifield, Christopher Joy, Morris Downs, Rudy Challenger.
0: Some great names there. It is. It is. Pam Greer being at the top. I love love Pam Greer. I'd love to have Pam Greer on top.
1: (laughs) And that's not sexist, you understand? I I
0: absolutely understand.
1: (laughs) Right then, this is an interesting thing. This is black exploitation really, which we haven't covered on the show yet. No, we haven't. We haven't. So I've never actually spoken to you about black exploitation before. Is it something you a, a genre
0: you're familiar with? It it is not as much as uh other genres, but again, it's uh I kind of you know, my start with with black exploitation was uh Black Mama White Mama, of course starring Pam Greer. That's getting
1: a Blu-ray release from Arrow in next month or the month after. Yes, it is.
0: Yes. Um, but you know, it's, uh, you know, I loved it. I loved the style. I loved the music. I loved the way, you know, you know, and then you go back and you watch some of the greats like coffee and shaft. And then you look at it and you realize, hell, they even influenced uh, James Bond movies because you get, uh, was it live and live and, let die? live and let die? Yeah. You know, you get, you get those same kind of characters. and. <laughs> it's uh it, it, yeah, you know and uh but yeah they're great they're great movies i mean they're great they're great action flicks they're it, it they're they're just fun they are yeah
1: i'm a fan of blaxploitation um arrow put out coffee and foxy brown over the last couple of years on blu-ray yes yes they have uh, you know and you know you still Pam grier blaxploitation films those are your two that you go to um, I think Coffee is the better one of the two, to be honest. It's got a bit more of an edge to it. But yeah, I love the genre too. Um films like Shaft and Black Mama, White Mama and you get those uh Big Bird Cage and Big Doll House and those sorts of films. Yep, yep. They've also got Sid Haig in them as well, which
0: gets a thumbs up from me. <laughs> my spirit animal. You you, you. <laughs> Baz is my spirit animal and he's from the podcast Under the Stairs. I love Baz. He's awesome. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Love the Baz. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, interesting uh, bit of trivia here you may not know that I actually learned this morning is that uh, Coffee, I, I'm sorry, uh, Foxy Brown started out as a um, sequel to Coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did did not know that. I I learned that this morning, and then they changed it up, changed the character and made its its own movie. Yeah, and to be honest, you could probably do that with Sheba Baby as well. Probably. Yeah. They're all the same style. They're all the same – I won't dare say they're the same plot, but, you know, same structure.
1: There's not a lot of variance in them, but, um, yeah. Sheba Baby came a little after Foxy Brown and Coffee. Basic plot is that um, Pam Greer plays Sheba Shane, who is a uh, detective living in Chicago private detective she returns back home to louisville kentucky to help her father fight some mobsters who are trying to take over his business
0: yes his loan business that's right that is basically the plot that is the plot that is the plot there is not a lot to it but it's uh love the music though i mean it is this has got a banging soundtrack it's awesome i mean it it is
1: you know all the villains wear suits (laughs) have you ever seen black
0: dynamite Yes, and who 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 is, God, who is, what's his name?
1: Michael Jai White. Yeah. Black Dynamite is my favourite comedy film of all time. I absolutely fucking love it. And it's one of those, it, it doesn't work, like any spoof, it doesn't work unless you know the source material that it's drawing from. Right. So if you ever watch Black Dynamite and think, oh, where's all that come from? Go and watch Sheba Baby, because guarantee there'll be something in there. Right, exactly. But that's where they got it from. It's got that typical seventies funk soundtrack. That's right. Um, you've got some, say the villains in the suits. You know, you can spot them in the crowd because they're the only ones wearing suits, basically. <laughs> 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 yes, exactly. Um... The main villain, his name is Pilot, who's played by Dervil Martin. I'm not quite sure whether he was supposed to be a comedy villain
0: or not. <laughs> Well, he's he appears to be the tough guy surrounded by the you know his, his his women entourage, but you know you find out he's an underling and a bumbling one at that. So, if you've
1: you know. ever seen Machete, the Danny Trejo film, yes, which is obviously again spoofing 70s Grindhouse. There's a lot in that that you can draw from this as well. You know, the shots of Pilot in the um, in the jacuzzi surrounded by the beautiful naked women. You know, <laughs> you look at Danny Trejo in that shot of machete reason. And then you think, how does a guy like that get all them beautiful women? Yeah, exactly. No offense exactly. to Danny Trejo. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. I know. It's just.
1: And Dervil Martin, you know, he's a typical. <laughs> he's a typical villain that you would find in a film like this, where he's. Yes. He's quite short. He's quite dumpy. He's nothing to look at. He doesn't look like a tough guy, but he seems to have everyone around him. You know, he clicks his fingers and they all do what he says. A bit like (laughs) Mr. Big in Live and Let Die.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) But the way it's played, you're thinking, if I was watching this in 1975, I'd probably think this was like a really sharp action film. I'm looking at it now with the knowledge of films like Black Dynamite and Machete going, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing at this or not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But whatever, it's,
0: it's so enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it just, it works. And it's, it's a, it's a great film and it, it just works. It does work. The, I will say the acting
1: in this film is terrible. You can, I honestly reckon that, you know, when people are doing their lines, there's somebody stood behind them with a script (laughs) showing them the lines and they're reading it there and then. (laughs) Um even Grier, and I'm gonna say this about Grier. I love Grier. I think she's brilliant. She's not the best actress in the world. But it's her stage presence. It's her presence it does it. and it's the way she carries herself. Yep, absolutely. But amongst the other p pe- actors in this film, she's certainly the best of the lot. She she is a standout. Yeah. Um she doesn't get naked in this one, unfortunately. No, she doesn't. She does not. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I sat there with my hand on the pause button ready. <laughs> <laughs> And there was nothing <laughs> there, there was nothing to deliver there. No, didn't stop me. But there was still nothing for me to look at. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it,
1: it, it's a lot of fun. It's it doesn't do anything that coffee and Foxy Brown didn't do. And
0: they're still the standouts of the genre. Yeah. But this is, I mean, it's a great watch. It, it Don't let that dissuade you yeah. from, from watching this.
1: If Coffee, Foxy Brown, and this were a trilogy, then this is certainly, you know, the slightly lacking third part, you know, to go along with your Children of the Corn trilogy, your Hellraiser trilogy.
0: But you know what? Even this one is miles above some of those sequels you mentioned.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, again, it, the connecting tissue is literally Pam Greer. Yes, you know, the direct, this isn't, I can't remember who directed it. Sorry, I forgot his name. William Girdley, William, you know, it's not yeah. It's not a Jack Hill film or any of the other directors that you know from the genre. Right. You know, and this was released through AIP, which was Roger Corman's company, I do believe.
0: Yep. So what, what, what would you rate this movie?
1: Well, for the movie itself, I've got to be honest, I'm giving it a three. I'm giving it a three Afro Combs out of five. It's a very, but it's a very strong three because I think the, The entertainment value of it is a lot higher than the actual quality of the
0: film, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually gave it a 3.5.
1: Yeah, I did have to toy with that one. um, And then I looked at other sort of 3.5s that I've given out recently and sort of went, I don't know if I can push it that far. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I do. I think this is thoroughly enjoyable. And, you know, if you've got the time to kill, stick it on, watch it, take it and enjoy it. It is good fun.
0: Absolutely, without a doubt.
1: I think if you're going to, if it's, it's not going to, st- like a lot of these films, it's not going to stand up to too much scrutiny because the acting is bad.
0: The plot. The plot holes are galore and whatnot. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's still fun.
1: Yeah. It doesn't deliver any, it doesn't go anywhere unexpected. Um, you've seen it in a million other films. And I think because we've seen it spoofed so many times as well, I think that sometimes takes a little bit of the, of the impact out of it. But, um, yeah. It's a strong three for me. Yep. Yeah. And you're going three and a half.
0: Okay. Uh, did you happen to watch the extras on this edition? I, I did. I watched some of them. You know, Air always puts out a nice product. Let, let's let's be um, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They offer here um, an interview with David Sheldon, um, which was a, a producer, I believe, on the movie. He was the producer and the screenwriter. Yeah. They talk. Uh, they got a little a little bit on Pam Greer, the AIP years, which is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, of course. I- yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, yeah, I watched that. Um, very informative. If if you're new to the genre, if you like, and you're new to watching Pangreer films, then it gives you the information you need. Yes, yes. It gives you a little bit of history about the way AIP did their… Their shows and whatnot. …did their shows and their business and during those years. Yeah, it's quite informative. It's not a very long No, it's feature. not.
0: It's only about 10, 15 minutes long. It's not very long. Offer, of course, a, the trailer, a gallery. Then they have two audio commentaries, one with uh, David Sheldon, of course. Mm-hmm. And then one with a lady by the name of Patty Breen, and Patty Breen started and probably still owns and is head of the website williamgirdler dot com uh, which is dedicated to his work so i watched a, I listened to and watched a bit of both commentaries uh didn't watch the whole thing, didn't have time, but they both seemed very very interesting, very informative in their own way. Did you get a commentary with Patty Breen? Yes, huh, okay.
1: So I'm looking at the uh, special features for the UK one, and I've got an audio commentary with David Sheldon, but the, the stuff from Patty Breen's in the booklet. Really? No, yeah. oh, there's
0: an uh, there's an actual audio commentary with Patty Breen. All right.
1: I didn't listen to the commentaries because if if it's a film I've never seen before, I want to watch it with the
0: dialogue. So. Yes. I, I mean, I did it after I watched them. I yeah. Had, you know, I had like sampled both of them and then said, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, if I watch well, when I watch it again, I'll probably go for the David Sheldon commentary because he had quite a lot of good things to say in his interview.
0: It was it was chock full of history, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a guy who was sort of he worked with a lot of those actors and writers and directors on all those films. It's you two in a pretty privileged position to see quite a lot of what went on. So uh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, I'll it, certainly give that a listen.
0: It, it is, and it, it, there's a lot more history in than just. AIP in the Pam Greer film—that's for sure.
1: Oh yeah, it goes into he goes into the um, the whole black exploitation history. Yep.
0: Yeah, excellent. Okay, it's a great product. Um, you know, the one thing I didn't look at before the show was was this a restoration? I assume it's Arrow, so it probably is. It doesn't say on the okay. it doesn't
1: say on the site. There's nothing about a 2K restoration or anything. But okay. uh, the screen qu- the picture quality was really really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Sound quality was good. Picture quality was good. If you oh, can watch yeah. these films with a decent 5.1 surround sound to get the full impact of those funky bass lines and that whole 70s porno <laughs> guitar thing. That
0: oh, that man. Know, oh, exactly, oh, man. I know, exactly, exactly.
1: Fantastic. There's got to be a uh, soundtrack available for this somewhere.
0: I'm sure there is. I have to try and
1: find that, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. If you like black exploitation, then it's probably a film you've seen already. If you haven't seen it, it is good fun this obviously this it's arrow video they've put a lot of care and attention into it the special features are certainly worth listening to as well yes um yeah so if you especially if you've got coffee and foxy brown which came out sort of over the last couple of years then you need to add this to your
0: collection really absolutely wonderful so we uh we want to give people advance on what we're doing next time no <laughs> <laughs> that's because you don't know
1: no I do know and I discussed it with you the other day but I'm not going to tell anyone just yet yeah show number nine we'll be, we're hitting one of the big boy franchises because we haven't covered any of the big boys since Hellraiser so that is what we're going to do I shall put it out on Twitter nearer the time anyway okay so yeah if you want to contact us you can do so via Twitter at ancient underscore slumber you can email us at ancient at at gmail.com you can also subscribe on our YouTube channel
0: isn't that exciting, a YouTube channel? Of course, there's no video, but that if we did video, that would mean I'd have to put pants on, and it'd, it'd be a whole thing. Yeah. We might get around to putting some video up. I might do.
1: I don't know what. <laughs> Me neither. I'd like to. It's there. We've got the means. We may as well do
0: something. Yeah, we'll have to we'll, – we'll, we'll figure something out.
1: If anyone has a suggestion for some video content they'd like to see, then maybe they could let us know. <laughs> yeah. Keep it clean. <laughs> try to keep it clean anyway but you know that's you, right you could never be 100 percent sure can you that's right <laughs> right that's us done then yep done for another day i'll see you next time we'll see you next time bye okay bye
0: now before yeah. i turn you in you tell me about your operation and you better tell me uh, before you lose your head come on please <laughs> business permanently and I mean that now where is she